Thank you for choosing Tox News, a Portum Rebellion broadcast. The right-wing narrative continues to be threaded, and so we must follow it to the end to keep everyone safe. Oh. And boy, oh boy, what do I have planned for today? Well, I haven't talked about it too much on the uh, election results, and it just so happened that on the 14th, the Electoral College had certified and sent their votes in, and Joe Biden is officially, 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 official president-elect. I don't know how many times people have had to say that in order, especially for the Trump supporters to understand it. But uh, even Senator Mitch McConnell the other day is getting praise for acknowledging Biden's win six weeks after the election. Also, too, uh, congratulating Joe Biden was uh, the Russian president, Vladimir Putin. So it seems that since these two have really uh, recognized the electoral college results it's official it is official so today we're gonna go through a couple of videos that um are still trying to fight for the idea that trump can win before inauguration day even though mitch mcconnell recently had just come out and said that it's not a good idea for republicans to continue uh denying or obscuring the results of the 2020 election but before we get into that, I have this video here uh, coming from Zakari Magnus on Twitter. Uh, it has a little bit of follow-up from the last episode talking about the Proud Boys. And I hadn't seen this. It was posted December 13th, but it came across my radar now. And what's funny, too, is that Tim Pool was tagged in this tweet. And yet, I didn't hear him respond to anything about this, but it says here, Proud Boys wandering the streets of D.C. attacked a Boogaloo Boy for wearing a BLM patch. Now, the Boogaloo Boys are a seem to be like a decentralized uh, internet movement that thinks that uh, a civil war is brewing and they want to kick it off. Uh, I'm not sure of their ultimate goals. I've heard that they're libertarian from libertarian to far-right ideology. But uh, their main focus is really that electric boogaloo. I think what they call it is Civil War II electric boogaloo, and that's where the name comes from. But uh, check out the video on YouTube if you want to see it. I'm just going to play it for the audio. So let's check it out. No, sir, you? No, sir. Hey, don't touch me. Don't touch me. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? So I'm going to pause it real quick. Uh, the guy filming was just standing there minding his own business when four or five? Let's see. Let's rewind it a little bit. Get a count here. One, two, three. Yeah, about four Proud Boys walk up to him and have an issue that he's wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt. Hey, don't touch me. Don't touch me. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you gonna do? 
I like how they're saying run pussy when there's four of them uh, basically about to jump one guy. So he does. He picks up his speed a bit. And they tackle him. He gets away that at that point, and it seems that they're backing off, and he continues to run away. So, I mean, I, I, I highlighted the fact that the founder of the Proud Boys, Gavin McInnes, is very vocal about his um, excitement towards violence. And this video shows uh, precisely how Proud Boys literally look for confrontation. When they could have just ignored a guy and said, you know what, fuck Black Lives Matter, and then just keep walking, they uh, harass him and then uh, try to get into a physical confrontation with him. So the Proud Boys are that neo-fascist group looking for violence uh, because, I mean, I, they just have so much frustration. It might have something to do with the rule that they're not allowed to masturbate. That might have something to do with it. Maybe if they just knocked one off, then, you know, maybe they'll calm down a bit. Uh, let me see here. I had some articles that I want to read before we get into the specific electoral stuff. Uh, but Fort Fisher here says that he has spoken to the Boogaloo boy who was seen in the video retweeted above. The account who posted the video isn't the person who filmed it. This is what he looked like when the Proud Boys advanced toward him, including the helmet camera that filmed the vid. And it seems that, yeah, he's wearing um, kind of like black block looking um, tactical gear. There seems to be a vest around him, a backpack, gloves, and yeah, a small patch that says Black Lives Matter. So that's pretty unfortunate. Uh, there's a whole uncut video on Google Drive. So if you want to, if you want to look at it, it's uh, on my Twitter at as a wave a z a w a v, or you can find it at Ford Fisher f o r d f i s c h e r. Uh, and again, yeah, it was dated two days ago. So you'll have to scroll down their Twitter a little bit to see it. Like I said, I had some articles here that I found interesting that are related to the election. All right. Uh, yeah, so reported yesterday by the AP News, Electoral College makes it official Biden won, Trump lost. It says the Electoral College decisively confirmed Joe Biden on Monday as the nation's next president, ratifying this his November victory in an authoritative state-by-state -state repudiation of President Donald Trump's refusal to concede he had lost. The presidential electors gave Biden a solid majority of 306 electoral votes to Trump's 232, the same margin that Trump bragged was a landslide when he won the White House four years ago. Heightened security was in place in some states as electors met to cast paper ballots with masks, social distancing, and other pandemic precautions, the order of the day. The results will be sent to Washington and tallied in a January 6th joint session of Congress over which Vice President Mike Pence will preside. For all Trump's unsupported claims of fraud, there was little suspense and no change as every one of the electoral votes allocated to Biden and the president in last month's popular vote went officially to each man. On election day, the Democrat topped the incumbent Republican by more than 7 million in the popular vote nationwide. California's 55 electoral votes put Biden over the top. Vermont, with three votes, was the first state to report. Hawaii, with four votes, was the last. Quote, once again, in America, the rule of law, our constitution, and the will of the people have prevailed. Our democracy pushed, tested, threatened, proved to be resilient, true, and strong. Biden said in an evening speech in which he stressed the size of his win and the record 81 million people who voted for him. 
He renewed his campaign promise to be a president for all Americans, whether they voted for him or not, and said the country has hard work ahead of the virus and economy. And also the fascism. That was me, not the AP. But but there was no concession from the White House where Trump has continued to make unsupported allegations of fraud. Trump remained in the Oval Office long after the sun set in Washington, calling allies and fellow Republicans while keeping track of the running electoral college tally, according to White House and campaign ad- aides. Um, the president frequently ducked into the private dining room of the Oval Office to watch on TV, complaining that the cable networks were treating it like a mini-election night while not giving his challenges any airtime all right so that's the ap reporting uh trump has acknowledged that there's a biden administration but he's not like officially conceded nor called uh joe biden to congratulate him uh pretty sore loser in that aspect um and yeah he tried to undermine our democracy unfortunately he couldn't have the coalition to do it effectively so here we are uh, uh successfully unscathed even though like you know some of the thought leaders and news commentators of the right-wing persuasion want to secede even though how ridiculous that in itself is but uh, mcconnell warns gop off electoral college brawl in congress reports the ap um let's see here in public remarks and private warnings on tuesday mcconnell worked to push ahead to the biden era and unite a fractured republican party ahead of the runoff elections that will determine senate control so McConnell doesn't really want the uh, integrity of the elections to be brought down for Donald Trump either, so that is a highlight. What I found pretty interesting here, reported by Yahoo News, is that Hillary Clinton calls for abolishing Electoral College after casting electoral vote for Biden. I didn't really think that she would be um, down with that, to be perfectly honest. I know it's always been kind of a Democrat like weak spot the electoral college especially since she uh won the popular vote but lost the electoral college in 2016 but honestly i really didn't think that um hillary clinton would be the one who would call for the dissolution of the electoral college uh she said quote i believe we should abolish the electoral college and select our president by the winner of the popular vote same as every other office clinton wrote in a tweet but while it still exists i was proud to cast my vote in new york for joe biden and kamala harris now, here's the issue is that we shouldn't just go just off the popular vote because that's going to keep us stuck on the duopoly two-party system. I am much more in favor of ranked choice voting and that at least allows third-party candidates to start getting their foot in the door, which is desperately needed in this country because for the past 165 years, Republicans and Democrats have been trading power and you can see how that's benefiting America in a lot of ways. That was sarcasm because that kind of duopoly is the reason why we have the left versus the right. What we really need is policies we just need policies fuck a party honestly um but moving on charlie kirk is mad at mitch mcconnell for accepting biden's victory and so if mitch mcconnell wants to wake up on january 6th and be met with two of his senate candidates all of a sudden trailing in georgia keep talking like this go out of your way to use the term congratulate if he had to and was getting pressure he could have at the very most today i will recognize i probably would have taken exception with that but the term congratulations inherently means that you are applauding and recognizing an achievement of success 
Because, like, anybody who loses something should not congratulate a winner. You should hate them. You should just hate them. That's that's the only, it's the only path forward, says Charlie Kirk. When do you use congratulations in your life? When people attain athletic accomplishments. When people get married, engaged. Or when people win a presidential election. It's, it's been pretty normal. In fact, world leaders around the world uh, congratulated Biden. You typically don't use the term congratulations when someone just stole a bank. Okay, but um, there's no uh, what do you how do you how do you say it? There's uh, no proof of election fraud or any meddling in the election. Besides, you know, we could really break it down with who Trump appointed into the U uh, United States Postal Service and his meddling in that to try and stifle mail-in votes. Stole money from a bank. But we're all just kind of forgetting about that. So let's you know whatever. You don't go to your friends or your family members that might be engaging in criminal activity and say, congratulations. And that's because there is no criminal activity. If there was criminal activity, Mitch McConnell would literally be all over it. The entire GOP would be all over it, but there isn't substantial enough evidence. And um, Mr. Magoo, uh, Rudy Giuliani, is just like also the most incompetent uh, election lawyer to ever step into the, 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 to the boxing ring and has failed to pull up any substantial case or even a win in court. It's typically not the right way to handle things. They're living like straight up the, the right wing, especially the news commentators who spread this propaganda are living in a reality of denial. It just does like the, the reality does not exist and they live in an alternate dimension. But to get to the ultimate uh, pieces of this video, um, I want to start with this tweet here from some random trucker, which led me on the rabbit hole that we will go on down today. God bless America, everybody. Guess what? It's a game changer. Trump's going to win the election. The alternative electoral voters have already voted for Trump in several states. Then it's going to go to Congress, and Mike Pence is going to preside over that. So we're going to win, baby. I just he, he honestly didn't even explain really how they're going to win because all the votes that were allocated from the Electoral College at the time of the end results of the election are still the same so what is it what exactly is mike pence going to preside over there's no challenge coming so I wanted you to hear it first from jim in the truck right out here driving across the fruited plain in the name of jesus christ the only name given among men under heaven Whereby we must be saved hey what happened i'll tell you i finally got some respect what do you know yeah <laughs> anyway I, I do like his impression of that actor i can't remember his name Oh, it's unfortunate, but that was a good impression. He was, he was an old actor, mainly from, like, the 80s. Oh, I can't remember his name. Have a blessed day, man. That's the best news you're going to hear. This is a unprecedented, amazing thing. I just did a prayer for Trump, and look what happened. The next thing I know, I'm sending that to all my friends. I want you to look at the next news network. That's the first one coming out with it. It's amazing. All right, have a, have a great day. In Jesus' name, man. We win. All right, so and that's how I heard of the Next News Network, which is the video that we're about to get into. But I do find it interesting that how, like, it just it starts with the pundits and the thought leaders, commentators, and then ends up in the mouths of average citizens. 
So let's get into the next news network, which I had just heard of because of this. And we're going in cold on this video, so prepare. The real media, you're going to spread this to your friends and family. Democrats absolutely blinds. Oh, one thing, because I did watch another video by them. It had something to do with uh, a Portland police officer. Um, the thing is, though, they have advertisements like midway through their broadcast, which is honestly laughable. Like, don't. Don't start reporting the news and then be like, but by the way, you can get this heater at a discount if you go and type in promo code. Like, save it for certain parts, like after a segment, not midway through a segment. Like, that's that I feel like that would be satire. And I think it was because I playing cyberpunk, like, I was watching the news that's in that. I think like W94, 95, or whatever N95 was, was what it was. They ended up like towards the end of their news broadcast, like advertising something at the end of a news broadcast. Even though, too, in Cyberpunk, there's a channel called Just Ads, where it's literally just ads. But it's funny how, like, Cyberpunk had parried it, uh, parried, parodied it. <laughs> you get what I'm saying, parodied. Um, they, they made a parody of news broadcasts who had advertisements in them. And then guess what? I found a channel the next night, uh, thanks to the guy who was on Twitter, and they do that so i might have like a weird fast forward here at some point because their advertisements are not allowed on my podcast but uh it's hilarious that they would even do that midway through a segment decided after gop electors rise up with a game-changing move to cast their votes for president trump as you know today was a day that the electoral college got together to cast their votes for well joe biden however there were alternative electors, GOP electors in battleground states that cast their vote for President Trump. This is not over yet. I've got the all the details. Lots of clips. He's reporting this literally as it was officiated by the Electoral College that Joe Biden is the president-elect. So it's very interesting that they're able to keep up denial even though an authoritative answer is there. Like, there's no denying what the Electoral College has announced. So it's very interesting that they still do it regardless of any uh, reality. Just deny and look away. Avert your eyes from what's actually happening. Lots of comprehensive information in this report. You are gonna to wanna to share everywhere. Before I do, get into that. If you're new here, tap the red button down below to subscribe, then hit that notification bell so you're the first to know when the latest. That's what I'm saying. Uncensored bonus content. Story White House advisor Stephen Miller told Fox News this morning, that alternate groups of electors were being chosen in several battleground states claiming that it would lead to Trump's re-election. Watch. The only date in the Constitution is January 20th. So we have... Wait, isn't that Stephen Miller? Is that who he said? That looks like Stephen Miller, who's uh, in the Trump administration. Several battleground states claiming to do with the election. that it would lead to Trump's re-election. Watch. Wait, 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 wait. I need battlegrounds your... this morning that alternate groups of electors were being chosen in several battleground states claiming that it would lead to Trump's re-election. Watch. The only date in yeah, the- I'm pretty sure that's Stephen Miller. So, um, Stephen Miller being the source of that is as if Trump himself came out and said such a blasphemous thing. I'm pretty sure that's Stephen Miller. No, that's not Stephen Miller, is it? But Steve, Stephen Miller is a senior advisor for policy to President Trump, but that guy kind of looks like him. And apparently CNN said constitutional scholar re 
responds to Stephen Miller's false election claim, which might be that, that actually might be Stephen Miller up there. The Constitution is January 20th. So we have more than enough time to right the wrong of this fraudulent election result and certify Donald Trump as the winner of the election. As we speak today, an alternate slate of electors in the contested yeah, states is going to vote and we're going to send those results up to Congress. This will ensure that all of our legal remedies remain open. That means that if we win these cases in the courts, that we can direct that the alternate slate of electors be certified. The state legislatures in Georgia, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania can do the same. And likewise, Congress has that opportunity as well to do the right thing. He's actually basically saying there for electors to act in what they call bad faith voting, which is where they ignore the popular vote or the, uh, I guess, even the wishes of the citizens and cast their electoral votes against what the popular vote came out as, even though the votes themselves went towards Joe Biden. And so he won those electoral votes in those swing states. So it's incredibly bad faith to uh, do that on on that level. And then it happened, Nevada, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and even Arizona stepped up. Jack. All those votes still went to Joe Biden. I don't know what he is talking about. They may have had like some GOP uh, party members like stand up and say, well, we want to vote for Trump, but it doesn't matter because the electoral votes themselves went to Joe Biden. Phillips from the Epoch Times reports that the Pennsylvania Republican Party said on Monday that Republican electors cast their votes for President Donald Trump and Vice President Mike Pence. The state GOP in a news release posted to Twitter wrote that the electors met in Harrisburg to cast a conditional vote for Trump and Pence at the request of the Trump campaign. And this, my friends, is not some pie in the sky Hail Mary. There is actual historical precedence. As Fox News notes, the Pennsylvania Republican Party so they drew inspiration from the 1960 election during which Democrats challenged President Richard Nixon's victory in Hawaii. Democrat electors submitted a conditional vote for John F. Kennedy. And after a recount, Kennedy was declared the winner of the state. Even the Washington Post couldn't wait. bury this historical fact when they reported. That wait, 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 wait. But it was Nixon who had the issue. And yet John F. Kennedy still won victory in Hawaii. Democrat, Democrats challenged President Richard Nixon's victory in oh, okay. Hawaii. No, I had it backwards. Democrat electors submitted a conditional vote for John F. Kennedy. And after a recount, Kennedy was declared the winner of the state. Even the Washington Post couldn't bury this historical fact when they reported that, quote, this had happened twice before in U.S. history. But Trump has already challenged and had the recounts. So like all of this has already gone through. In 1800, the House picked Thomas Jefferson as president over Aaron Burr when the Electoral College vote ended in a tie. In 1825, the House chose John Quincy Adams over Andrew Jackson, who had won the popular vote. Now flash forward to 1876. History tells us again that in that election in 1876, the Republican Rutherford B. Hayes, now this is from Wikipedia, of Ohio, defeated <laughs> Democrat Samuel J. Tilden of New York in one of the most hotly contested presidential elections in the nation's history. The results initially indicated a Democrat victory, but the electoral votes of several states were disputed until just days before the new president was to be inaugurated. 
members of both parties in Congress agreed to convene a bipartisan electoral commission, which ultimately decided the race for Hayes. So there is his there's a lot of like context that we're missing there because it's a very, uh, you know, uh, focused in view of like how that election turned out like literally weeks before. So we, I, I would need broader context to know like the months leading up to that. So historical president precedent for Trump's next term. Now, continuing into present day, the electors in Georgia and Pennsylvania also cast procedural ballots for Trump while the states continue to be contested. Georgia. Yeah, so the, the thing is, though, is that all that allows is for Trump's cases to continue on. The electoral vote still went to Biden. Like, it's been officiated. Like, none of his electoral points moved. They're all exactly the same. The only thing that they're keeping alive is those court cases, which I guess allows Trump to continue to ask for donations from supporters, and the Republicans can get, then get their 25% grift money. Georgia GOP Chairman David Schaefer said because the president's lawsuit contesting the Georgia election is still pending, the Republican nominees for presidential elector met today at noon with the state capitol today to cast their votes for president and vice president. Had we not met today and cast our votes, the president's pending election contest would have been effectively mooted. Our activity today preserves his rights under Georgia law. This is huge news now republican electors in nevada it's not that big it allows trump to continue his court cases but it doesn't change the electoral votes as we speak so nevada have cast ballots for donald j trump awarding six electoral votes to president trump let's take a look at that moment from right side broadcasting all right electors that is six votes certified for president donald j trump Chairman, we are on to the next item. Let's jump over to Wisconsin now. Republicans there followed the rule of law and met to put forward their own electors today. Republican GOP Chairman Andrew Hitt told reporters, quote, it was to preserve our role in the electoral process while the final outcome is still pending in the courts. Now, this tweet shows us the gravity of what actually happened today. As of right now, to my knowledge, GOP electors have submitted ballots for President Trump in the following states, Nevada 6, Pennsylvania 20, Georgia 16, giving a total of 42 electoral votes, contested, Congress decides, and they speculate we could be looking at a Trump victory with 274 electoral votes, 266 for Biden. Now let's jump over. But that's only if the GOP electors are acknowledged. So again, we're just working with the kind of stuff where there's... Uh, um, it's just headlines in order to keep the narrative alive so that there's enough support to continue grifting uh, supporters in the idea of a stolen election. To Michigan, a group of GOP electors there today arrived at the Michigan State Capitol to cast their votes for President Trump. But the Michigan State Police blocked the GOP electors from entering the building. I have a report also that there was also 200 troops protecting the building. They state here that, quote, the electors are already here. They've been checked in, the police said, as they blocked access to the Capitol. Let's watch what happened. For the Capitol Commission, for the governor's office, for the Speaker of the House, for the, for the Speaker of the Senate, the Capitol is closed unless you have an office here to conduct business today, or if you are taking part in the electoral college process. 
Anybody else is not permitted to come in? The electors are already here. They've been checked in. So, so not, well, not all, not all, all the electors are inside. Capitalist vote. All, all 16 electors that we've been advised by the governor's staff that we're going to be here to vote in the Electoral College have been checked in. They're already here. But the GOP but electors, are, are the I'm sorry. I understand. Stare. Captain. Captain. Unbelievable. For the Capitol Commission. Now, according into, uh, in Arizona, 11 Republican presidential electors have convened to cast their votes for President Donald Trump to be reelected. In doing so, Arizona became the fourth swing state casting procedural ballots for President Trump, while the state continue to, states continue to be contested. Let's take a look at the historic moment that the uh, votes were cast. This is the certificate of the votes and the 2020 electors from Arizona, with the undersigned being the duly elected and qualified electors for the president and vice president of the United States of America from the state of Arizona to hereby certify the following. A, that we convene and organized in the city of Phoenix, County of Maricopa, state of Arizona at 12 noon on the 14th day of December 2020 to perform the duties enjoined upon us. B, that being so assembled and duly organized, we proceeded to vote by ballot and balloted first for president and then for vice president by distinct ballots. And C, that the following are two distinct lists, one of, one of all the votes for president and the other of all the votes for vice president, so cast as aforesaid for president, um, Donald J. Trump of the state of Florida, number of votes, 11. For Vice President Michael R. Pence of the state of Indiana, number of votes, 11. Thank you. Now, Forbes chose to highlight the election law expert Rick Hassan, who reacted on his blog about Miller's comments, the comments we played at the beginning of this report, the comments he made on Monday morning. And he wrote that, quote, the electors have neither been certified by state executives nor purportedly appointed by state legislators. He's speaking. Exactly, because what they've been referring to them as is alternative. So it, it seems almost as if the GOP had kind of found people to try and attempt to uh, put in appeals to overturn the actual electoral votes. I, it's like a last second uh, dive into trying to overturn this election, even though it has no officiality whatsoever, so much so that it had no standing with the police who had to shut down the Capitol building. And of course, about all these GOP electors, he says they don't have any legal authority. And so this does not affect the counting of electoral college votes. Now, according to the Gateway Pundit, they're looking what I at just the said. Electoral Count Act of 1887. And that says that each chamber of Cong Congress will separately decide which slate of dueling electors to accept. That's what we have now, dueling electors in many of these battleground states. They write here that the new Congress that will be sworn in on January 3rd. Now, we're going to look up that law, that law on, our, on our own. And that says that they're looking at the Electoral Count Act of 1887. Hmm. Congress shall be in session on the sixth day of January, seceding. 
succeeding every meeting of the electors. The Senate and House of Representatives shall meet in the Hall of the House of Representatives at the hour of one o'clock in the afternoon on that day, and the President of the Senate shall be their presiding officer. Two tellers shall be previously appointed on the part of the Senate and two on the part of House of Representatives, to whom shall be handed, as they are opened by the President of the Senate, all the certificates and papers purporting to be certificates of the electoral votes, which certifi certificates and papers shall be opened certificates and papers shall be opened presented and acted upon in the alphabetical order of the states beginning with the letter a and said tellers having then read the same in the very presence and hearing of the two houses shall make a list of the votes as they shall appear from the said certificates and the votes having been ascertained and counted according to the rules in this subchapter provided the result of the same shall be delivered to the president of the senate who shall thereupon announce the state of the vote uh, which announcement shall be deemed a sufficient declaration of the persons, if any elected president and vice president of the United States, and together with a list of the votes, be in entered on the journals of the two houses. Upon such reading of any such certificate or paper, the president of the Senate shall call for objections, if any. Every objection shall be made in writing, and shall state clearly and concisely, and without argument, the ground thereof, and shall be signed by at least one senator and one member of the House of Representatives before the same shall be received. Which sounds like there's, there's going to be those objections, and we're going to have to deal with this even after January 6th, because they're going to be like, well, we made our objections, and they ignored them. How oppressed are we? Uh, when all objections so made to any vote or paper from a state shall be submitted to the senate for its decision and the speaker of the house of representatives shall in like manner submit such objections to the house of representatives for its decision and no electoral vote or votes from any state which shall have been regularly given by electors whose appointment has been lawfully certified and according to section six of this title from which but one return has been received shall be rejected but the two houses concurrently may reject the vote or votes when they agreed that such vote or votes have not been so regularly given by electors whose appointment has been so certified nice so again it's going to be a last ditch effort because the house can basically veto any of these alternative gop electors who may have objections or even try to uh, shift the votes that are actually already certified so already it's looking pretty moot for them but this is an incredibly long procedure if more than one return or paper purporting to be a return from a state shall have been received by the president of the senate those votes and those only shall be counted which shall have been regularly given by the electors who are shown by the determination mentioned in section five of this title to have been appointed if the determination and said i'm not seeing anything of the uh of the two but you get two from the senate and two from the houses so um yeah again I feel like he even just kind of like simplified that law to a point that only like allows his argument to continue. And that says that each chamber of Cong Congress will separately decide which slate of dueling electors to accept. That's what we have. That's not even that's not even language that's in here. I'm looking and I'm not seeing anything about dueling electors. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. I'm, I'm reading it. Um, dun, 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 dun. yeah, there's nothing about dueling electors here. Um, but each, uh, chamber of commerce, the house and the Senate both have 
two representatives for each of the states to uh, verify and certify the votes. So I uh, don't know what he's talking about. Have now dueling electors in many of these battleground states. They write, but I, I guess that like allows him to purport the idea that these alternative electors are actually official when they're not. They're not. They're an attempt by the GOP to continue this grift. Here that the new Congress that will be sworn in on January 3rd will be the ones doing the count. The Senate would vote for the vice president. Republicans currently hold the Senate. The House of Representatives would choose the president. However, it is not one vote per lawmaker like it is in the Senate. The House in each state gets one vote and with the new Congress, Republicans will have the advantage with 27 of the state delegations. A candidate needs 26 votes to win the White House. Now, according to CNBC, once electors have formally recorded their votes for president and vice president, the next major event in the electoral college process is a joint session of Congress on January 6th, during which is what we just read, which both chambers will officially count the electoral votes. Vice President Mike Pence is expected to preside over the January 6th proceedings in his formal vote as President of the Senate, a job which also includes announcing the results. So it is at this point that he will be faced with acknowledging the electors. <laughs> he is literally putting it all on his shoulders just the same way that trump had done with william barr to find voter fraud and william barr was unable to do so and now he is no longer attorney general a month before he before trump leaves office this is this is great i i you know it, honestly if pence was to take it that far it would be a level of like an actual coup because of the bad faith electoral votes at that point and it would completely undermine our elections entirely based off of absolutely no proof so that would lead us into utter chaos and i have no idea if mike pence is that irresponsible but look who be shouting for it the people who talk to your neighbors news commentators since there are two sets of electors pence may side with the gop electors handing the electoral votes to president trump similar to what happened in 1960, but over multiple states. So what happened today was completely game-changing, caught me off guard. I did not see this coming. But Robert Barnes, the, um, the, the notable lawyer, I'm going to leave you with this. He said, the vote of the Electoral College is not certified until Congress certifies it. <laughs> They keep moving the goalposts too. Like the election's not over until every legal vote is counted. The election's not over until the electoral college certifies it. And the election is no longer over until Congress certifies it. It never ends. Legally, <laughs> no one is president elect until Congress certifies a majority of the electoral college for that person. So. The game is not over yet, my friends. What happened today has historical precedent, and you can take stock in that. Share this report. I'll see you at the next. I shared that report to you, which came from me from a random dude on Twitter. Um, let's see here. John Fetterman said, nope. Uh, let me see. John Fetterman's like one of my favorites to kind of brush up on. Um, nope, that has nothing to do with it. Nope, that has nothing to do with it. Nope. Uh, he might not have spoke on this at all. Hmm. 
Yeah, actually, John Fetterman hasn't even spoke about this whatsoever, which um, isn't that much, doesn't mean too much to me, but I thought he might actually make a pretty significant case. But apparently here it says the Georgian Supreme Court unanimously denies Republican appeal of election contest defeat only hours after it was filed. So yet again, Trump and his allies remain 1 to 59 in post-election litigation. That's one win and 59 losses. So again, the likelihood of Pence doing a bad faith vote literally at the last second very, very low chance there. But if it were to happen, honestly, the integrity of this country would crumble. And I don't know what would happen at that point. Um, but to close it on out, we have a segment from Louder with Crowder that has uh, his lawyer, Bill Richmond, to explain what's going to happen next. Yeah, a lot of digging to be able to look at <laughs> what exactly the process yeah. is yeah. and how does it exactly work. So where have we already come? November 3rd, ostensibly the votes are counted. We've What's amazing to me too is that like we claim how important it is that America is a democracy and yet like they don't actually teach uh, like high school students, the entire electoral process. Now, I'm not saying everybody would remember it or should remember it, but the fact that it's not um, easily taught or accessible knowledge and that you have to go through uh, paperwork after paperwork of all these laws, such as the, uh, the, the one that we looked up earlier um, called the counting electoral votes in, co in Congress. Like the fact that we have to like actually look this up from legal information Institute, rather than having a bit more knowledge given to us from a high school within the public system, within the government system that doesn't teach us how democracy works. Um, I find that very fascinating because it's almost like by keeping us uninformed on how elections work almost allows Trump to thrive on this. You already know there's a lot of problems there, but from a procedural standpoint, the governors in the weeks after the election create a certificate of ascertainment. That certificate yeah. says these are the electors for this party, these are the electors for this party, and here are the number of votes for each of them that were cast for that party. So um, that's people kind of get a little misconception about yeah. the vote. The vote is not for specifically One the president. Second. What up? Casting. Yep, casting. That talks news. Hmm. Grab me a big thing of peanuts. Yeah. No, just salt. Salt. Yep. Salty nuts. Salty nuts. Yep. Alright. Yep. Alright, sounds good. Yeah, it does. You gonna play Cyberpunk later? Yeah. Ooh, I even have some of that some of that doink left, so you don't even have to roll me one. That is an insult. I know why we have the law left of that. I was high. Same thing for her too. Again, yeah. It's high, but it's garbage. It tastes horrible. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Strong for some reason. Right. Yeah. <laughs> can't it. Well, also too, like I don't smoke as much as I used to, so it's pretty easy for me to get pretty high. That's so. Um, yep. Just going over the election results, which I haven't talked about on this podcast at all because it's all utter nonsense. But since, you know, it's hitting big waves in the right wing narrative, I thought, you know, let's, let's touch it. Let's, you know, let's grope it a little bit. I'm groping it. I'm groping the fuck out of it. And you know what? It's non-consensual. 
none of these people want me watching their videos. That's uh, Steven Crowder's lawyer, who for some reason has taken over for the day. I don't know if Crowder's out of commission for some reason, but yeah, his his lawyer is there to talk about all the bullshit. And he always like he always what's his name again? I always forget his name because like I hate this show. Um, he's always like my half Asian lawyer, Bill Richmond. He's always like my half Asian lawyer to be like, I'm not racist. I have a half Asian friend all the time. And then you look at the rest of his audience, which is like a bunch of yes men who laugh at his lame jokes, all white. <laughs> Don't forget my nuts. Goodbye guys. Okay. Thank you. She gonna forget. It, it is for the party who then has electors who will cast their votes, okay. you know, for ostensibly yeah. for the candidate. Yeah. Uh -huh. So the vote of ascertainment signed by the governors, those have been done. Those have been sent in. You can go to the Electoral College website and look those up. Literally looked at them. Um, and then the thing that comes that's most important from yesterday um, or yeah. Monday, rather, yeah. was the uh, December 14th deadline for the certificate of the vote. Mm -hmm. And that's when yeah. the electors actually come in, cast their votes, and then that is sealed under right. the US United States code that's actually sealed before it goes out that's uh, 3 USC 15 in the United States code and that eventually kind of makes that, its way which over. is the one that yeah that's the one that we've been talking about and reading which is basically just the overall process since the electoral votes are in um, it's a few it's a few sentences when the two houses have voted, they shall immediately again meet, and the presiding officer shall then announce the decision of the question submitted. No votes or papers from any other state shall be acted upon until the objections previously made to the votes or papers from any state shall have been finally disposed of. Oh my god. So, like, they could literally keep it going longer than it's supposed to just because of their objections. But uh, Mitch McConnell said, not a good idea, so we'll see what happens. Over the next two weeks through Congress, archivists, and eventually to the uh, floor of the House. Okay. And that's where the president of the Senate, our very own Vice President Pence, who, Pence. as a quick reminder, okay. did great in his debates, loved it. Pence. Other yeah, than the fly. Yeah. The fly. He, yeah, no. Uh, Mike Pence did about as good as Kamala Harris, meaning that both of them pretty much dodged every question that was thrown at them. My favorite thing that Mike Pence would always say is he'd get asked a new question. He, he would be like, um, I actually want to move backwards. I want to move back. I uh, I want to talk about the last thing. He was always like moving backwards, even though like the moderator was trying to move the conversation forwards. And then yeah, the fly landed on his head for like an uh, like a whole two ass minutes, and it was great. Like I honestly stopped listening to the entire debate and was more interested on who that fly was going to vote for. He had Flygate. Hey, so. you know what? I was just paying more attention to him with Flygate. I think, <laughs> I, you know, I'm not one yeah. to say that everything is, is intentional, yeah. but yeah. Uh, I think it's, like it's, a, yeah, it's really a Pied Piper thing. It's it's the, the, the just realized, like, <laughs> realized how good he was. So now on the floor, now we've got these votes. It's funny because, like, flies usually, like, surround garbage and poop and things that smell nasty. So it's very fascinating that the, the fly chose Mike Pence and they were saying like, oh, it kind of, it, it chose him. It was, it was a, it was a sign. Um, yeah, that he shit and that flies like to hover and sit on shit. That are unsealed. 
Those votes right. are right. going to be read. The president will, president of the Senate, huh. so Vice President Pence will right. sit there, count the tallyers, say, hey, we're going to get some people from each party to be counting these. We will unseal them and read them. And in past years, this has taken as short as 21 minutes <laughs> really? to just run through. When there's just no yeah. question, you sure. open it up, yeah. boom, 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 yeah, done. you're done. Everyone's, there's no question about what these huh. look like. Wow. So we've had uh, a few different, we'll get to some of the exceptions over history. Man, I don't know the number of times I've heard people say, oh, that's never happened in American right. history. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, actually, right. that happened five times. And then this. Because there isn't like it isn't a part of regular high school curriculum to go over the history of the electoral college or the elector or the election, which, you know, I would say it's a good idea to go over elections, how they happen, specific cases like that, you know, were um, identifiably unique. But uh, of course, you know, that's not part of our curriculum because apparently it's not something that we really need to know. So the thing happened three times. Yeah, this other thing yeah, actually exactly. already happened. Four years of algebra, zero for democracy. Happened once a hundred yeah. years ago. Well, if it happened, I would know about it, Bill. Yeah. So yeah, because I'm a millennial. Would tell okay, me. nothing happened before I was. <laughs> Look, I looked in the entire Vox archive, and I did not find <laughs> they didn't anything have one video about the election from 1876 right. with Robert Weatherford B. Hayes. <laughs> Which is funny because that's the exact case that uh, the next news network had brought up. So it's just like, it's funny to me every time that the right wing echo chamber just echoes. That's literally like on point, on point. Oh, Ohio. Pretentious. No, that's okay. pretentious. So back no. to the Electoral College. So when it gets there, what happens? People are like, yeah. okay, well, is this the point somebody does something? Is this the point somebody does something? Okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is the point where somebody can do something. Hmm. So a written objection. <laughs> uh, hasn't it been a point where somebody could do something for a while? Or was that lost when Trump received 59 losses in court? Under the United States Code that governs the Electoral College process on the floor of the House, a written objection that has to be signed in mm -hmm. writing by one representative and one senator. It will and he's basically going over the law that I also read to you. So will then go to be debated, and there's time limits on that debate, to mm -hmm. see whether or not the objections are valid. So then, of course, people are going, well, of course, this is the time. You bring in all the evidence. And you go, ah, right. look, voter mm -hmm. fraud. Mm -hmm. ah, there's a limitation right. on what you can actually object to. Yeah, but that's it's the same. So the and the problem is is that there is no evidence. There has been no evidence and that's why there's 59 losses in court right now. So in that moment you can object to two things. And then there's a third extra one. Vote regularly given by a lawfully certified elector. So yeah. you can point to either of those two things as being defective. If someone yeah. didn't do a vote that they should have done under the normal process, or was someone not a lawfully certified elector. Hmm. So if okay. these votes come out and there are objections to the votes, yeah. the chambers will go back to their respective homes and say, hey, we're gonna debate it amongst themselves. So yeah. now people will say, who makes the decision? Okay, well, this yeah. is the moment where it's still majority. Majority of the House by Representative, majority of the Senate will decide, are they going to sustain the objection, which means approve the objection and discount the vote? Right. Or if they disagree, the votes still count. So you have to have both of those. You have to have both the Senate and the House decide that an objection needs to go forward. And, that's yeah, going to be a pretty that's not gonna high standard. Yeah. Yeah. Remind me, when does this happen? You said you. This you, is January 6th. January 6th. Okay. Okay. That's so, the deadline? That's the day that these things happen. 1 p.m. January 6th. Wow. 
We, we need to do a live stream. It's coming no, up. Kidding. It's coming up. <laughs> well, it, it is going to be very interesting, and it will yeah, be something yeah, that people boy. should tune in on. Um, okay, so then now there's one other way that we actually have dealt with in the past in 1876, that Hayes election versus hmm. Tilden, conflicting designations. So three yeah. different states said, nah, those aren't our electors. These are our electors. And they both sent in conflicting Wow. Yeah. or mm-hmm. conflicting uh, certificates of vote. Huh. And in that moment, there was a little bit different term then because a uh, certain statute wasn't in place. But in that moment, the, the Congress had to go, no, I, don't, I don't know I don't know who it is. <laughs> Make uh, yeah, exactly. I'm not sure who it is. And ultimately, uh. they decided to throw out enough votes to take the person who had not won, Hayes, yeah. and put yeah. him up by one electoral vote. Yeah. And that decision was made by both the House and and the Senate together. So there is still a path in which, when the evidence of fraud, let's go all the way back to the lawsuit. That's the problem there, is that the House has to certify that, or it will go back to debate. Otherwise, it cannot be actually certified. So the House has to approve of such an action, which, not likely. We're talking about why do yeah. all these things matter? Why would people spend so much time, energy, and money to hire experts, gather evidence, yeah, exactly. to bring these suits? It's because ultimately, if none of those prove fruitful through the court system, you still have the ability of these electors to have made a different decision with their sealed votes or for the House and the Senate. And that hasn't happened. They didn't make uh, different decisions in those sealed votes because the Electoral College, as certified on Monday, is still the same. To look at the evidence that comes up by January 6th and go, wait a minute, these electors weren't lawfully certified because they weren't the real electors that which is all of those alternative GOP electors that we're trying to get in. And we don't know if any states actually had some of them cast votes, which apparently they had. It should have been sending this in. And in fact, we will accept a different set of electors if another set was sent. Right. Or we just won't count those electors votes. Right. Which doesn't seem likely because um, Senator Mitch McConnell, the speaker of the Senate, the majority leader um, said that uh, it's done, it's over. So why does the 12th Amendment matter now? 12th Amendment says you have to have a majority of the Electoral College to be able to win. Right, so 270, that's the number that we saw on election night that they were all talking about. And all of a sudden, if you take away Pennsylvania plus one other state, I think that puts Biden below or close. Pennsylvania, maybe a couple of swing states. If he doesn't, if he doesn't have a all couple of swing states, he fixes it there. It's not just just Pennsylvania, because I think Pennsylvania has it doesn't have enough. Like Joe Biden has to lose thirty points, which would mean at least uh, about three of the swing states, if not four. All of those states, and he doesn't get to two seventy. He doesn't win. Right. And so I think the question that a lot of people have is, okay, so you know, on Monday when they were doing this on the 14th, they said um, people got really excited, right? Garrett, we were talking about it before right. the show, um, that there were Republican electors selected in places like Arizona that have been called for Joe Biden. Hmm. Um, I think Pennsylvania and maybe Michigan as well selected Republican electors or, right. or some combination of swing states. How does that play into this? Do you know kind of what what's going on there? Are they just basically keeping a door open just in case? Well, um, the certificate of ascertainment actually lists all of the electors. Okay. So it, actually, if you look at it, it'll say for every single state, the forms are a little bit different because there's no prescribed form. Right. They'll say electors for Joe Biden and Kamal Harris, uh, electors for 
President Trump and Vice President Pence, and it'll say the number of votes. So ultimately, the most states' laws say if you have a plurality of the votes within the state, then that party's electors get to then cast the votes on right. December 14th, and that is what ostensibly happened. However, okay. there is still some precedent to say on January 6th, when they get these votes in, if there is such an overwhelming evidence of fraud, they could make a decision yeah. that these votes weren't lawfully given or... And there has not been. Let me remind you, 59 lost cases in court. If Trump had at least maybe half of those cases uh, be a success, then maybe he would have a fighting chance come January 6th. But a 1-59 to win-loss dichotomy, not looking good, bro. Not looking good, and yet they're keeping it alive as if they have the evidence. Or the electors were not lawfully certified. Right, and so I think in 1876, one of the things that happened, and I'm not going to give the specific because I'll be called out by somebody on it, but I think you have... I'll call you out. So from, from a... How can you not get called out for not being specific? Like, honestly, I'm calling you out because you should be specific. A particular state, right? Like Florida was one of the states that was contested. <clears throat> you had them, you know, had the governor that basically sent electors and said, here's their, their certificate. And then you had the legislature that sent electors and they signed something else. And that created the problem at that point, right? Correct. And so that's, that's what happened in 1876 where there was a debate because there was rampant fraud. There was voter intimidation. In one state, I think there was 101% turnout. Does that sound familiar? Uh, it was I also, don't know. also mm. 1876 had the highest voter turnout in history. Yeah, but the thing is that you had people get registered the day of, and that's where that increase in the percentage comes from. When you had 100% registered voters then vote, and then you had more people registered the day of, then you get an increase on top of that. History, I think it was 88.1% of uh, registered voters voted in 1876. Wow, a lot, um, not a lot, a lot of similarities to what's been going on here. And so I think that creates this situation where there was a lot of similarities to the election back in like 1910 with Woodrow Wilson, but yet it didn't come out the same exact deal. So I'm, I'm glad they're huffing enough copium to have content for me to go over. But like, honestly, this is really sad. This is really sad. They honestly, um, I guess they can't let go because this is the narrative that is going to drive the victimhood of conservatives for the next four years. Then we have an issue, right? When you get two slates of electors that are sent from, call it Georgia, right? And exactly. they say, hey, how do we, how do we decide this? Who's the, the real right. ones? And now what we haven't seen is that there's actually been, and, and I have not seen this yet reported, and it might be something that's happening because the votes are sealed or it's outside of the process. But if ultimately Congress has in its hands on January 6th conflicting electoral votes, that's when we get to this different process. Right. So actually, the situation in 1876 was South Carolina, Florida, and Louisiana. They submitted certificates of elections for both candidates yeah, yeah. from different authorities. <laughs> Since that wow. time, people are going to go, oh, look, that's... There it is. Well, since then, Congress, you know, actually passed a law that changes how that process looks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's actually a process for deciding who is the appropriate authority to send that in. It's a little bit more complicated. Long, long, short, long story short, it's a little bit harder to just send in. Right. It's not like we could just get together and go, <laughs> yeah, well, we decided yeah. that the other electors win. We can print uh, off a certificate. Sure? Come on. There's a higher threshold there, but still a <laughs> path in which. I know it was a joke, but they basically just, uh, they just like want like. I don't know, encouraged uh, electoral voter fraud. And what, you know, what else could you expect from people who supported a president that told his supporters to send in two ballots just to test the elect the integrity of the electoral system? So, yeah, I would expect absolutely nothing less.
the different electors would actually be nullified. So I don't yeah. think it's going to be a situation where in 1876 you had conflicting electors. Right. It's yeah. going to be a moment where you say these electors who were rightfully selected um, didn't cast a vote correctly or they just weren't. You're not going to replace them. You're just going to not count them at all. And then you can't get to that majority under the 12th Amendment. I have a question. Hmm. Question so me. if Biden goes down to like 253 and then Trump is like 236... What, what happens there? There we go. That's that, a good question. That is what we would call a contingent election. So without having enough votes. And just to throw it in there before he does, the contingent election would then uh, rely on the Senate to uh, elect the president. So, I mean, that, you know, I guess in that way, there's a lot closer chance for uh, Trump to overturn the, uh, the results of the election because the Senate is... Republican dominant, but again, that would have to mean that the Electoral College is ultimately like the certain swing states and all of that is nullified, which again, chances are not likely of that happening. But let's keep the copium alive. Now we have to decide who's going to make that decision, and that's where it goes to the House yeah. to do votes. Goes to the House. Okay. This vote My then bad. is each state. And yet the House is definitely a Democrat majority, so. Casting one vote. Yeah. Equal weight. Period. So it's not the number of House of Representatives, which you know strongly okay. favors Democrats. And I can't even like begin to get into like the amount of victimhood that conservatives would then take upon themselves if the House was then to hold the contingent elections because of their Democrat uh, majority. They would they would play victim so hard, so hard, and then Democrats would be completely vilified beyond belief, even though they're already. Uh, vilified as far as the right-wing Republican Party goes right now. Even after sure. some historic losses, right. their words. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's true. Not I trying like, to yeah. rub it in, but their I'm rubbing words. it in. Yeah. I mean, you like the words, though. They're, 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 they're great words. They're their words. words. They're the best you gotta words. Use their words. You know, the best use of a silent H ever. Okay, the historic vote. Um, so each state casts one vote. So in 1800 and 1824, we actually had elections that were decided by the House. This is not oh, yeah. an unusual thing. And so what happens there? What the commentators saying, what we're looking at the votes would be, is that President Trump would actually have 26 states. So in the yeah. event of a contingent election where each state gets one vote in the House, there would be enough votes to say this is the actual winner of the election. Okay. So there's about five different things that have to happen. Yeah. Each one of those has a very small margin of chance yeah, to be yeah. able to get in. Boom. Um, but but oh notice, here's the thing. I'm so glad he at least admitted that there is only a small chance. This is like the most amount of truth I have ever heard come out of Louder with Crowder. We've talked about this being a Trump versus Biden type scenario. isn't even there. But this is what the law is, which is why you're hearing, even this morning, Hillary Clinton calling for the abolishment of the Electoral College. Yeah, right. Because what it does is the checks and balances in that system yep. are what allow us to even be in a situation to challenge the fraud that we've seen in the election. Mm -hmm. And now they're realizing, oh, man. All of this, all of this democracy and procedural fairness is dang it. <laughs> yeah, I come back to Biden. Yeah, yeah. The electoral college is the bastion of democracy. Even though bad faith votes have given us Trump and George W. Bush Jr., um, the thing is, is that um, if we were to abolish it, it would be more direct democracy rather than these representatives within our republic who represent our vote rather than just counting them as is. Um, and of course, I'm still sitting on the side that we should move into ranked choice voting because then that allows third parties to uh, have the opportunity, especially independent candidates that aren't loyal to any party.
party loyalty is, uh, I don't know, pretty anti-democratic. Right, yeah. We thought we had this thing in the bag really when Anderson Cooper said we won. Anderson, I thought you said we won. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, and that, that's, a, I think, a really valid point because we have seen the Electoral College come under attack and people not really understand why don't you just take like the popular vote because it makes a lot of sense, right? You have yeah. a popular vote and what, who, what the, whatever the will of the people is, you can argue that you... That um, I'm gonna I'm gonna already get in there is that the rural people wouldn't be heard because the cities themselves are just so packed with Democrats as if like there isn't a diversity of thought within the cities. Um, but you know, um, major metropolitan areas do tend to have the majority vote go into Democratic pockets or Democrats pockets. So that's, you know, that's the worry that they have. But that's the thing is that the Republican Party represents a minority of beliefs in this country. Then you have big cities basically making the decisions and not right. really representing the the rural voters, and so kind of giving that some weight. But it's also for this, like if if Republicans could widen the amount of people that they would represent, then they could win the popular vote. Yep. <laughs> I think our, our the founders of this country knew enough to know that they didn't know everything, and it was great that they put in these protections to make sure, like, hey, if we have fraud, how do we? The electoral college was not a thing at the founding of this country. Let's 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 go to when it was founded. Just so I can get that clear. It was not a part of the constitution originally. And that's why you have this ruling here from 1887 of how the votes are going to be counted from the electoral college. So, let's see here. Ye old Wikipedia Let's see. Scroll, 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 scroll. Yeah, it says here that a president may be elected who did not win the national popular vote as occurred in 1824, 1876, which is the case that they continually keep bringing up, 1888, 2000 and 2016. Scroll, 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 scroll. Fast track to history. Uh, initially, state legislatures chose the electors in many of the states from the early 19th century. States progressively changed to selection by popular election. In 1824, there were six states in which electors were still legislatively appointed. By 1832, only South Carolina had not transitioned. So it was around the beginning of 1800s that the Electoral College had stepped into the ring. So it is not a part of the founding of this nation, which I shouldn't have to remind people, only had 13 states at the time. Next one for the next Oops. news network. Wrong video. Deal with that on a national level. If we have a fraud issue in a state that isn't resolved in that state, how do we then deal with that? How do we deal with people not being represented in rural areas and coming up with the Electoral College, as convoluted as it may seem sometimes, is a, is a fantastic idea. And it is everything that you just described, by the way, if it happens. I mean, the thing is that you have to connect metropolitan areas into with their rural areas because every state has rural areas. So what you ultimately have to do is uh, teach people their connection with the rural area rather than keeping both alienated from each other as if they have uh, differing interests when really prosperity is a thing that should be uniting the United States. Happens. It's completely constitutional. It right. is exactly what they intended to have happen in a situation where fraud was 
Exactly. And and you're trying to create a system that can survive the test of time. So you don't have to move the goalposts Mm. all the time. But But that's what they keep doing. Thanks to the amount of process that goes into counting the electoral votes, that's exactly what thought leaders and right-wing pundits keep doing is moving the goalposts. It's like, now we can see the overturn. Now we can see it. Now something's going to happen. And it just keeps moving the goalposts. So what? That is what the Democrats are trying to do right now. They want to move the goalposts to further ensure that they will never have to deal with answering for fraud in the future again. And that might benefit. No, that no, that doesn't. You can still contest votes the same way that Trump has before the Electoral College like votes were officiated. So you can still do that. Like you can still make claims of voter fraud, even if we're going off nothing but the popular vote. That is a ridiculous claim. Benefit them now, but when the shoe is on the other foot, everyone's going to want to know is the core of our democracy and our republic built. But like, honestly, the Republicans would never win a president again because this country is predominantly Democrat or at least Democrat voting. And maybe that's why they should have interest as well for the third party uh, candidates to have their time, because then maybe the Tea Party or the Libertarians can then have their chance. And, you know, even lately, there was like this destroyed GOP thing going on between Nick Fuentes, the fascist, Milo Yiannopoulos, the fascist, um... And I think Charlie Kirk is pretty fed up with them as well. So there's uh, a, a feeling in GOP, former GOP supporters, I guess I can call them, but right wingers that want to see the GOP be more aggressive in their, um, I don't know, attack of the integrity of the the the, the, the elect, electoral system. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a benefit if we eliminate the Electoral College. Sure, a Republican president will never win. But again, maybe the Libertarian or the Tea Party can have a chance. But the thing is, is you have to um, appeal to as many voters as you possibly can. And that's what the GOP has had a problem with doing for a long time. Built on the ability to say, I looked for the fraud and we found the answer. And if there was, we dealt with it. And if there wasn't, we all fucking moved on. Yeah. I don't know if I'm allowed yeah. to say that, but I'm going to say <laughs> well, it. And yet there wasn't. There's 59 cases in court to prove it. And yet they haven't moved on. Done. Happened. Okay. So here's the here's the end game, and here's what I want to tell you. The reason why you must still continue to harangue all of your different senators, Republicans, or Democrat, your House representatives, even at the state level, your governors, your secretary of states, is because this country needs to know what exactly happened during these elections. Whether or not it changes the course of the actual election, whether or not the progressive left and mainstream media have already set this. And this is the part where admitting that like this is all for the grift. It's not even for the actual overturn of the election at this point. It's all for the grift. To keep the support up for Trump, to keep those donations coming in, and to keep the idea that this election was stolen from Republicans and from America. He's admitting that, that it doesn't matter if it doesn't overturn the elections. You need to keep up this idea. This out so far that we cannot do anything from a matter of practicum, because by the time we fight, figure out this fraud, we're already a year into the Biden Kamala doomsday presidency. It is what it is. But we still have a country beyond that. We yep, still have. Yep. We're living in a healthy democracy that is looking to unify the country when you call one administration the doomsday administration kids and grandkids who need to know that this country will fight to understand and like i've said i'm no fan of joe biden or kamala harris but um their rhetoric is very specific in keeping republicans uh uh, you know digging their heels in from actually cooperating or compromising
what is going on with our elections and to be able to improve them for the future. Even if there's only a small chance that that will happen, we have to continue to make that fight. So continue to make sure to write and call and just be real annoying to every single person who might have any influence between now and January 6th and even after January 6th, even if it turns out that Vice President Pence has to cast yeah. that final decision yeah. based on the electoral votes for the opponent, for Biden and, yeah, and yeah. for Harris, this republic will survive. I mean, we're definitely going to survive Biden. I mean, that guy's not going to make it through the first year, <laughs> yeah. but we'll definitely yeah. survive Kamala. Survive. No. Yeah. Kamala, President Kamala Harris. Watch Good Morning. All right, well, th there it is. There it is. There is the right wing cope, and it continues on. And I didn't want to touch it until the Electoral College officially announced its winner because this whole thing has been incredibly annoying of the Trump administration denying their concession and the whole right wing sphere denying the, 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 the win of Joe Biden. But there it is. They will continue to deny it and they will continue to be annoying because the, the, there's a baseless voter fraud. But the pundits, uh, commentators, thought leaders, all of them just keep saying, keep going for it. Keep going for it. They keep that cope alive. And that is where we are at. It's unfortunate. It sucks. But at the same time, we do have to be aware of it and act accordingly to it. So if you come across somebody who's denying the results of the election, try to pull up as much evidence if you can, as you can that there has been uh, no proof of voter fraud and that this fight uh, against the uh, results of the election is only in the benefits of Trump and the GOP party in their rhetoric and propaganda, not in any actual material results. But that's just my analysis here on Tox News. Check it out on YouTube. Um, I've been playing Cyberpunk and uploading some of those videos because it's a very fun game. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at AzaWave, A-Z-A-W-A-V. And then uh, I'll catch you next time on another episode of Tox News. Who knows what it'll be about? I certainly don't, but I'm excited to find out.